Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I have to say, I am in awe of my guest today because what she does, I cannot do in any way. And so this is going to be so much fun to be talking with the fabulous artist and author, Miriam Schulman, to, uh, today. Welcome, Miriam. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you for having me, Deb. I love it. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you. And I'm going to apologize just a little bit up front. I managed to catch a cold instead of sounding a little stuffy. Um, And so please feel free to be as verbose in your answers as you would love to be. Because, of course, people are tuning in to hear you and not me anyway. So Marian Schulman is an artist and founder of The Inspiration Place, where she helps other artists learn how to profit from their passion or become better artists. She's helped thousands of artists around the world develop their skill sets and create more time and freedom to do what they love. Her art and story have been featured in major publications, including Forbes, The New York Times, Art of Man, Art Journaling Magazine, What Women Create, as well as featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. Miriam's forthcoming book, actually, I believe it was, it, it is no longer forthcoming. It is real. It is a book now. It is Artpreneur out of HarperCollins Leadership. And as we said, it was just released on January 31st. Her podcast, The Inspiration Place, is in the top 1% of all podcasts and is listened to in over 100 countries. So again, Miriam, welcome to our program today. Well, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I love it. And again, congratulations on the new book. Um, it is, it's going to be such a success, I am absolutely sure. Because I think so many people, they're, they're creative, kind of. They want to be creative. They don't know how to do it. And they certainly don't know how to turn that creativity into a business. And so that is, is so important. But Uh, Tell us a little bit more about how it is that you got to where you are today, because it is kind of a rather circuitous route. Yeah. So my journey begins, and you're going to like this, Deb, on, I'm not going to go page by page of the book, don't (laughs) worry. But on page one of the book, it does Mm -hmm. start in the hot Atlanta classroom when my fourth grade teacher declared me class artist. So Mm -hmm. I was the new kid in school. I was definitely a bit of a nerd as I have been my whole life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know that she even saw any artistic talent in me because when it came time to, as class artists, my Mm -hmm. job was to glue the toothpicks onto Mm -hmm. the Halloween jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. And the teacher was the one who decided what this would look like in the first Mm -hmm. place. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that there was anything she actually saw in me. But from that moment on, Mm -hmm. I chose to believe her. (sighs) 
I chose to believe. And that is the first step for anyone who Mm -hmm. wants to be a success, Mm -hmm. whether it's an artist, whether Mm -hmm. it's just a business person, whatever it is, is choosing to believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and then, but you decided maybe you shouldn't be an artist. You did well, that whole traditional make money. Well, yeah. you know, my mom told me that I wasn't going to make any money as an artist. And we love should... our parents and they're protecting us, right? Right. I was told that I wasn't going to make money. And I came from, you know, my mom, my father had passed away when I was very young and I didn't really have the luxury of mm-hmm. that. I thought I didn't have that luxury of that option. Okay. And I was straddled with student loans. So mm-hmm. I took the practical route and I had to make money. So I said to myself, well, where do they make the most money? Mm-hmm. Wall Street. Right. And, and you do I live went. in that New York area. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I was working on Wall Street uh, during the first bombing of the World Trade Trade Center in 1993. Uh, I was not in that building, but I witnessed it from you know, right across the street from it. And it was scary. And my, my, the culture of my company was they kept working throughout that terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. So when 9-11 happened, it was a wake up call for me that if I had been working downtown during that time, that could have been me. Right. Because if you remember that second tower was not evacuated, they did right. not. People evacuate. were like, uh, they kept working. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. kept working. So I took that as a sign from the universe not to go back to that world, go away, (laughs) but to dedicate myself to something else. And even though, even at that time, even though I really did want to become an artist, I still didn't believe that this was possible. So I I knew I wasn't going to go back to that. So I, at first I took a job as a Pilates instructor and while I was working for the gym, they were teaching the instructors how to sell personal training packages. Huh. Once I developed those mm-hmm. or understood that these mm-hmm. were skills, selling mm-hmm. was a skill, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to use this to sell my portraits. Mm-hmm. And now the rest is history. I love it. So you know, what type of art do you do? Is it just portrait? Is it business? Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Okay. So I've been at this for over 20 years now. And the first 10 to 15, maybe closer to 18 years, I was a full time mm-hmm. artist selling my art, starting with my portraits mm-hmm. and my other it started fun. with your son, the little Batman costume. That's right. So yeah, I read, around, I saw. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so at the, at the time I was learning these, these strategies for selling, I was very strategic. It wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. I took the, the portrait I did of my son in his Batman costume. I put it in our hallway. Mm-hmm. So every time a mom came to pick up her kid, the, and my son was a great influencer. Mm-hmm. He would mm-hmm. take his friends over. To, well, he was very proud of you right. know, really, Batman should be. That's mm-hmm. right. Like, you know, he was immortalized. Right. It's a painting and his friends were impressed and they Mm -hmm. showed their Mm -hmm. mother. And so all that was like, it seemed very natural, but it was orchestrated that Mm -hmm. I knew what was going to happen. And then I would discuss my, my services with them. Mm -hmm. And when it came time to deliver the finished commission, Mm -hmm. I would do it in the school parking lot. So then other mothers saw it. Exactly. 
Exactly. So mm-hmm. I've been very strategic all mm-hmm. along. And then it was about 10 years ago when I started teaching classes online, that was, it seems like online class has been a thing forever, but that was brand new then. At least it was to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a few years ago, I started a podcast. And when I started the podcast, I had just had so much I wanted to share about how I built my own right. art career. Mm-hmm. And like you, I like to talk. Mm-hmm. I had so much I wanted to share. And once I had the podcast, people started coming to me looking for personalized help. And that's when I started coaching other artists. Mm-hmm. And that led to the book. I love it. You know, and as I mentioned, I'm I'm just in awe because stick figures for me don't look like stick figures. And I fail at paint by numbers. I mean, you know, I am just not that creative person. And so when I see someone who is. It really is. It's just incredible because my brain just doesn't work like that. I mean, you know, I, I see it and I think, ooh, but there's no way I could replicate it. Um, you know, and and so and and obviously it is an extremely talented skill set to to be able to to do that. Um, and you know, so you you've you've but like you said, you 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 realized early on that that was what your passion was. And I think that's the lesson for everybody. What is your passion? And go for it. Yeah. And you're bringing up a very good point. And a lot of people push back on me because I say anybody can can do this. And they're like, well, wait a minute. What about talent? Mm -hmm. And the thing is that mindset and marketing are going to trump talent Mm -hmm. every single time. Right. Right. We've all seen it in every industry where there are less, you know, you look at somebody and you're like, well, she's not so great. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at less talented people who are at the top of their fields and you see more talented people who are floundering and mm-hmm. it has more to do with mindset and marketing than mm-hmm. it does with innate talent. Right. And also Heck, you know, Serena Williams was not born with a tennis racket in her hand. That took a lot of grit Mm -hmm. and a lot of perseverance Mm -hmm. to build those skills Mm -hmm. to get her where she is. Right. Right. You know, and and there are obviously those who like a Bach, a Beethoven, a Van Gogh. I mean, you know, they're just good at it. (laughs) And, And you can't even really explain why. But then there are so many people who maybe like me could learn how to do it, at least to be passable enough to maybe do my own Christmas cards or something like that. Um, but it, it it is something that I think a lot of us really do think, wow, I wish I could do that. So you know, what are kind of some of the basics on just, you know, I say I want to, you know, want to do a little bit. You mentioned yeah. online courses, things like that. Yeah. Well, one of the big obstacles to overcome is that a lot of people want to be good at it from the very beginning. Right. And I want that masterpiece. Why, that's mm. right. They want that that Van Gogh talent from the start. But if you look at early Van Goghs, they weren't so good. Mm-hmm. So it it it's it's will being willing to be a bad artist. Mm-hmm before you become a good artist or even a great artist, be willing to make mediocre art. And Deb, I'm sure you know this with podcasting. I bet your podcast after 800 I don't podcasts, listen to my early ones. <laughs> right? Aren't you like way better than you were? 
um, even even a hundred podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. So um, we all continue to evolve, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put your art out there. Mm-hmm. Podcast number one, because look at what the world would have missed out on with those first. I don't know when you felt you started to get good. Make up a Sometimes number. Sometimes I still wonder, but stop. So <laughs> you know, let's just say you got good around fifty, even if it was like right. fifty mm-hmm. podcasts, you got good. Well, the world would have missed out on those first 50 and you never would have gotten as good as you were at podcast number 51 had you not done right. those first 50. Yeah. So that's actually something that I talk about in Artpreneur. I call it the sleeping beauty complex. Mm-hmm. And that is the idea. And I see this in all industries, business, like whether it's mm-hmm. podcasting, whether it's mm-hmm. art, where people have that feeling they're not good enough and they right. don't want to put what it is out mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. until they get till perfect. it's good enough. And no, mm-hmm. not even perfect. Right. Good enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens? Or you wouldn't be ridiculed is kind of maybe. You don't want to fail. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fail. But what ends up happening, and the reason why I call it Sleeping Beauty Complex, it's like the Disney fairy tale where the fairies take this little baby and bring her out to the woods and keep her nice and protected. And then you don't see Sleeping Beauty again until she's this beautiful right. grown woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was protected that whole mm-hmm. time. Well, when you're a business person, when you're an artist, when you're doing anything that's difficult, that's hard in the world, you have to be willing to take that baby out when it has braces and pimples Mm -hmm. and you have to love your baby, Mm -hmm. your baby business, your Mm -hmm. baby art career, your baby podcasting, your baby life coach, your Mm -hmm. baby, whatever you are, you have to love it all the way through from when, you know, all the way through that adolescent stage, Mm -hmm. even when you're not quite good enough, forget Mm -hmm. perfect, but you're not Mm -hmm. even good enough. You still have to put it out there. Right. Well, and we talk about that a lot that um, on the the podcast that people are waiting to do whatever it is to, to, you know, have the best to do, you know, all of those things. And of course the, the trick is everybody else is waiting too. So if you go ahead and say, Hey, world, look what I've got. You may be the only one for a while that is out there. Um, Or, you know, you might be the only one forever. Who knows? Or you might be one of a bunch. Who knows? But what you do, and this is obviously so true with with art, but it's true with everything. What you do is unique. Nobody else does what you do. And that's the key to remember. Yeah. That's something that I talk about a lot. So there's, there's five plans that I talk about inside Artpreneur. And this again, applies to every business. There's production, pricing, prospecting, Mm -hmm. promotion, and productivity. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to production, um, you have to produce marketable art. So the question is, well, what makes something marketable? Right. And that's what I talk about is embracing your inner weirdo. Yes, Mm -hmm. your weirdo, like Mm -hmm. going to that place that only you can do it because Mm -hmm. you are leaning into your quirks, you're leaning into your values, you're leaning into everything that's different about you Mm -hmm. and that only you can do and not dismissing things that may become easy to you Mm -hmm. because those are the very things that you probably do better than anyone else. Right, right. You know, and- it is a business is a business, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It has all of those foundations that you have, but, you know, and, and that you talk about in the book, but what is interesting to me is, you know, those of us, you know, that, that are in the hardcore and I'm putting that in my air quotes for those who are listening, 
businesses. So designing something, you know, like, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do websites. I, I do websites. I guess that's creative, you know, um, but you know, all of these various things, but we do tend to think, and this is obviously very stereotype that an artist is flaky and, you know, we're going to call her moonbeam and, and all of those things. And, but there, you know, to be successful, which obviously you have been, you have to have that business mindset also. So what were some of the things that you learned early on as you started your business that really helped you to be successful? Yeah. And by the way, I'm pretty flaky. So, you know. Okay, Moonbeam. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, we already established that I'm a nerd, I'm a weirdo, and I'm flaky. Okay. Which, yeah, we all were. So, or are, are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the very first thing that I talk about in Artpreneur, and I'm so surprised about how many people don't do this, is you need to have a separate business bank account. Mm-hmm. And this is especially true when people start off, when it feels more like a jobby. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out there and say, especially women, because mm-hmm. otherwise you, if you have a, your business is mixed up with mm-hmm. your personal account, mm-hmm. you're constantly going to be fielding questions from your partner mm-hmm. about like, what yeah, was this? What did you spend? What's this? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. You right. want to empower yourself to be able to make all these decisions based on what is the income coming into your mm-hmm. business? Right. What is the income going out of your mm-hmm. business? And to create a separate physical and mental container mm-hmm. for it by mm-hmm. having a separate business ca- um, bank account. Mm-hmm. And it will also make it a lot easier come tax time. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and and I that is actually, you know, when I started my business 20 years ago, that was one of the very first things somebody told me. And she said, not only a separate bank account, a separate bank. So, you know, so that it is, and part of it is, okay, you grab that credit card. Oh, wait, wrong logo on it. You know, and, and, you know, all of those various things, but it, it makes it so much more difficult to intermingle funds if it is a totally different bank. Um, But you're right. Your accountant, your tax person loves you when you have the separate accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really smart about a different bank. I actually used the same Chase bank, mm-hmm. so I had the same logo, but they were not linked accounts. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was no moving money back it, it and forth. It was difficult if you wanted Very to. Very difficult. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually would have to write a check to myself, mm-hmm. and which is what it should be. You have to understand right. this mm-hmm. is where money's coming. This is mm-hmm. where money's going. Otherwise, you're constantly floating right. um, back and forth mm-hmm. and you're wondering, how come I'm not making money? Right. You might, you know, and and many businesses obviously do, especially when they're starting out. You might loan yourself money, so you're loaning personal money to your business account. But again, keep track of that, you know, because you want to pay that back, Um, you know. And 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 the excuse me, what I was told was along those same lines. The second I take it seriously as a business. By having that separate account, by having the name, all of those things, then other people take it seriously too. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so that's one thing I would say, Mm -hmm. separate financial containers. The second thing is start telling everybody who you are. Okay. As I said, choose to believe. Mm -hmm. So in that first chapter, I'm talking about my own personal story, Mm -hmm. but then it's an invitation for everyone else. Tell everybody 
who you are. And that is the best way to start kicking back that imposter syndrome and taking ownership of who you are. So if you're an artist, telling everybody you're an artist, Mm -hmm. if you're a life coach and that's your new business, telling everybody Mm -hmm. you're that, if you're whatever it is, Mm -hmm. just start telling everybody. Mm -hmm. And it does several things. First of all, you get really good at that elevator speech. It's not Mm -hmm. that you're trying to sell to everybody you're speaking Mm -hmm. to, but you're getting good at being concise about really saying what, who you are, who you serve, what you do. Mm -hmm. And every time you say it, it's not just for the person who's hearing it. Mm -hmm. It's a message to yourself. Hello, I'm a business. And a message to the universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is a very empowering part. So we said the empowerment of Mm -hmm. the financial container and then the empowerment of declaring your Mm -hmm. identity as an artist, as a business person, Mm -hmm. who you are. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is, you know, because yeah, when it's, it's the whole manifestation thing. You know, when, when we start putting it out there, then it becomes, you know, and, and until we put it out there, it's our hobby, it's our secret, you know, it's, it's all of those things. But yeah, when you start and, and there's also, let's be honest, some of that accountability. It's like, you know, well, Hey, Miriam, didn't you start that business last year? How's it going? Um, You know, and, and so, yeah, there is kind of that accountability thing too. Yeah. And, and the thing that I talk about in entrepreneur, it's, uh, it, it does have some relation to the law of attraction, but I talk about it more from the brain science point of view. Mm-hmm. So looking at Aaron Beck's work. So Dr. Aaron Beck was the founder of cognitive behavior therapy, mm-hmm. and he just passed away, I think, last year at the age of 100. We should all live wow. to 100. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the idea is that there are circumstances and then we have thoughts about that. And then we have feelings about that. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts and feelings are what's going to drive our actions Mm -hmm. and create results. Now, if you are thinking that, yes, you're an artist. Yes. You believe in your work. Mm -hmm. Yes. You believe in yourself. Yes. You believe in the customer, Mm -hmm. which we can talk about. That's the belief triad. Mm -hmm. You believe in all these things. Your actions are going to look a lot differently Mm-hmm. And when you don't, right. And so when you don't, you're going to be less likely to send out that marketing email, mm-hmm. less likely to follow up mm-hmm. with phone calls because you don't believe you think you're bothering people. Mm-hmm. When you believe right. you think mm-hmm. they're going to miss out, right? You don't yeah, call if I don't up. send it, they're going to go, Oh my gosh, what has happened to Deb? That's right. Mm-hmm. Like you believe in what you're doing so strongly. You feel the world would miss out if you didn't share it with them. You're coming from that place. It's not a pushy place. It's not a salesy Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. It's a place of sharing. It's a place of abundance. So that is going to give you different kinds of results. Mm -hmm. Right. I love it. So what's another thing that you discovered early on? All right. So I mentioned the belief triad and that is worth a discussion. So this is not part of Aaron Beck's work. This Mm -hmm. is not part of law of attraction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, the belief triad is belief in yourself. We've, mm-hmm. we've all heard that. Belief mm-hmm. in your product, your mm-hmm. art. But what people don't talk about, Deb, is belief in your audience, belief in your oh. buyer. Okay. So let me show you what this looks like. Mm-hmm. You've seen the movie Pretty Woman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Richard Gere 
um, wants to hire Julia Roberts, who's playing a hooker. He right. wants to hire her not not for the sex part, right. but just a companion. To be a co- mm-hmm. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to be his escort for the weekend mm-hmm. to go to these fancy dinners. Mm-hmm. But she's dressed like a hooker. So right. he says, here, here's my gold card. Go mm-hmm. shopping. Get some nicer clothes. Mm-hmm. So she goes to Rodeo Drive, mm-hmm. but she's dressed like a hooker. Right. And, and they're the, like, no. The salespeople won't mm-hmm. wait on her. Mm-hmm. Because they don't believe right. in her. They mm-hmm. don't believe in the buyer. Mm-hmm. So she goes off. She is able to buy clothes. She comes back, you know, dressed like Kim uh-huh. Kardashian, uh-huh. you know, or whoever. Mm-hmm. And she says to those mean salespeople, hey, you remember me? Mm-hmm. Do you work Hello. on commission? Mm-hmm. You lost Big it. Mm-hmm. mistake. Mm-hmm. However, Deb, how many times have we sabotaged our results? Because we thought we were bothering them. We didn't believe right. they wanted it. We didn't think they had the money for it. Mm-hmm. We didn't mm-hmm. think they wanted to pay our prices. Mm-hmm. So all those things. Now, in the Pretty Woman movie, it looks funny and it looks like they're just being mean. But so right. many times, right? they're the mean salespeople mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. don't believe in our buyer. And that's what belief in your buyer looks like, right. believing in the buyer. And then even going beyond that, which is what I say, you have to love your buyer. Mm-hmm. You have to love them. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, and and you're right. So many times we get those preconceived notions in our head about, you know, they a good portion of it is oh they don't want it or need it. Now, they it, it, you know and and so we've talked ourselves out of it before we ever even start. But then it does come down to they can't afford me. They don't want this, they don't want that. And we've we've had all of those where it's like we're trying to break the blow to ourselves. So it doesn't hurt as much when they do. And of course, what happens is a lot of times they just turn around and walk out. Yeah. Well, they will, if you are um, feeling that way, Mm -hmm. they will pick up on it and they they will make Mm -hmm. them less uh, decisive Mm -hmm. about investing whatever it is they want. They were Mm going to invest in you because you're feeling indecisive. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do inside Artpreneur is I have an overcoming objections chart. So Mm -hmm. I talk about all Mm -hmm. the most common things you'll hear. It's too expensive. I can't afford it. I need to think about it. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that chart is to empower people with understanding actually what's going on in the minds of your customer. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, oh, getting a yes at all costs. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. But really having compassion for your buyer that mm-hmm. the reason they may be having trouble making a decision is because mm-hmm. making a decision is hard. Now, what mm-hmm. can you do about that? Have you offered them too many choices? Mm-hmm. Have you come across as being indecisive right. because you're that way? Mm-hmm. So there's things like that. The bottom line is what's going through a customer's head is they're worried about making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And they are not thinking about you. Mm-hmm. We're always thinking it's right. about us. Mm-hmm. And they're not trying to decide whether you, Deb, are worth paying, I don't know what it is, whatever it is, 15000 mm-hmm. for a new website. Mm-hmm. They are thinking, am I, Miriam Shulman, worth spending $15,000 right. on to get mm-hmm. a new website? Yeah, they're, they're having that about, indecisiveness also. They are having mm-hmm. the mind drama about themselves, about mm-hmm. believing in themselves. And once you understand that piece, it is so much easier to talk to customers because don't make it about the money because it's not mm-hmm. about the money. 
Mm-hmm. And don't make it about you. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about them. Right. Whether they're worth mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and as you were talking, I thought, you know, there's also kind of the opposite of that. And that's the, the desperation. Um, you know, and of course, the great analogy here is the starving artist um, who is, you know, going to sell the masterpiece for $10 because they need to eat. Or, you know, at website design. You know, people say, hey, you know, we've, we've, you know, we're only going to, our budget's 2000 and I might've said five. Okay, fine. I'll take the 2000. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, and, and all of those things we tend to, you know, and, and of course the second someone smells that desperation, you know, they're, they, they're going to take advantage of it. Um, I don't even think they'll take advantage of it. It's a turnoff. It's right. like that desperate girl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people want a hot girl energy. Right. They mm-hmm. want the cool girl energy, mm-hmm. the popular right. girl mm-hmm. who doesn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't whether buy you buy with her fine. or not. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. a lot of that comes to the misconception that cheaper is easier to sell. And the thing is, is cheaper can often be a turnoff. Right. Yeah, because we sometimes, you know, we, we do associate cheaper with lower quality. I mean, you know, all sorts. Of, and obviously, there are lots of things where that's perfectly fine. And that's actually what we're looking for. But depending on what it is now, nah, I mean, you know, if, if, if you had the money to do a Porsche or a Ford, Okay, you know, now I, it's it's going to depend on, on what you're buying it for. But yeah, a lot of times you're going to go, nope, I want the Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> well, because there's some things, and I think the, the economist Thomas Veblen co- coined is, is mm-hmm. called the Veblen good because of him. There's mm-hmm. some things that are, are more desirable mm-hmm. because of the high price mm-hmm. tag. Right. So a Tesla would be an example mm-hmm. of that. Right. It's like these status symbols, a mm-hmm. Chanel bag. Mm-hmm. People want them because mm-hmm. they're expensive and because right. what they think that having it says about mm-hmm. them. So that self-actualization piece is mm-hmm. very important. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and we look at who has it also. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned in, in your bio that, um, you know, you love project runway. And of course we're all looking at, um, you know, we on Facebook, you know, we look at what are the Kardashians wearing? What is Jennifer Aniston wearing? What is JLo wearing? You know, and, and I clicked through on one of those the other day, you know, it was, you know, the, the star's new favorite tennis shoe. I'm thinking, oh, cool, cool. I like tennis shoes. And they were just these white sneakers. I mean, nothing fancy about them, but they were $600. And I thought, no, no. <laughs> you know, because of course, what would I do with a white tennis? I'd immediately ruin it. Um, plus I'd be thinking, I can't wear this $600 shoe out. But there are obviously people who buy based on, I mean, that's why we have celebrity spokespeople, you know, they buy the products to be like that celebrity. Yeah. And that's why the celebrities get a lot of this stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They, they didn't pay $600 for the no. tennis shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was okay. I will, I will wear your shoes and, and you can take a picture and that's it. That's um, right. You know, and, and, but, and, and I always wonder too about the ones where it doesn't make sense. You know, uh, like Matthew McConaughey. I like Matthew McConaughey. Now he is kind of known as the, the, the other guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's not, you know, he's not George Clooney. He's, you know, he's Matthew McConaughey. You know, he goes to football games. He does all that, but does he drive a Lincoln? I don't know. (laughs) 
Oh, you like the car commercial? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, or, or the celebrities who, um, uh, they advertise the, you know, that I use every day, the $5 over the counter brand of lotion. Maybe, <laughs> but I'm also thinking she made $6 million on her last picture. I'm pretty sure she's going to spend more than five, $5 on lotion. Right. Well, you're talking about like the Jennifer Aniston who's hawking the, like the stuff you can yeah. get at CVS. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm like, mm, okay. And at, they, and, and the funny thing is, of course, they might, they might very well use that because it works, you know, all those various things, but, but yeah, it, that's, that's those mismatches. And, and that happens when we're trying to do these things, you know, especially if we're promoting our products, if we're not promoting it to the right people, to the, in the right places, it just doesn't make sense. You know, I was watching Law and Order the other day on TV and Nickelodeon commercials came on and I thought, I don't think that's the right market. <laughs> that's so funny. Maybe they've just found, maybe the research said that there's moms watching. Could be, could be, you know, and, and so know. maybe then they need a little bit different Nickelodeon commercial, you know, hey, plunk your kid in front of the TV. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's about that marketing and, and figuring out how to best reach the people who are going to buy your product. So talk to us about the fact that you clearly took a passion and turned it into a business. And, you know, so many people, especially during COVID, really started doing that. You know, they had their hobbies. They had their things that they did as the side gig. um, And they turned it into a business. So how, but, but so many people think, it, it is my passion. Who'd want to buy it from me? Um, so talk to us more about turning you know, a passion into profit. Okay. So yes, there are a lot of COVID artists mm-hmm. and you know, we had the great resignation, mm-hmm. millions of people walking away for their, from their jobs. And a lot of those people did turn to creative businesses mm-hmm. and Etsy did see the seller swell to, I, I don't have the number off the top of my head. Huge. I th- uh, it was huge. Mm-hmm. I think it went from 3 million to 5 million, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. So there's a huge number of people who now want to be artists. And those are a lot of the people who I work with. At mm-hmm. the same time, there's a lot of people who that wasn't their initial motivation. Perhaps mm-hmm. now they're an empty nester right? or mm-hmm. uh, they're in their early 60s mm-hmm. and they're in retirement or pre-retirement and they always wanted to mm-hmm. fill in the blank, but never got around and to their it. friends, their family told them, wow, this is so good. Why don't you try to sell it? Yes. So we always, it's a lot of what we just started talking about. You have to take that first step Mm -hmm. and you have to, the only way to start is to begin. So we, there is inside artpreneur, what makes art marketable. And I do walk through that and not just visual art, but Mm -hmm. any kind of art. Right. And because I made it so broad, it really would work for any business. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, right. But the the first thing you have to do, though, we talked about the first thing, get that business bank account. The mm-hmm. second thing, tell everyone you're artist. The mm-hmm. third thing is you you have to start putting things out. Oh, I think we already talked about this. Mm-hmm. Putting things out there in the world, right. mm-hmm. even if you don't think you're ready, because mm-hmm. the only way to find out what is marketable mm-hmm. is to start marketing right. it. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. shortcut. People want that shortcut so they don't fail. They want me to protect them. How do I know if this will sell? Mm-hmm. You have to try to sell it. Mm-hmm. It's right. so subjective. Like they want to mm-hmm. show me their art. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know because 
I don't like all art in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't like all music in the world. You know, there's there's music I hate that Mm -hmm. is very successful. There's art I hate that's Mm -hmm. very successful. So it's not a question of is it good enough? It's do you believe in it enough Mm -hmm. to risk rejection? Right. Mm -hmm. And and people will reject you. And I don't care what you're selling. Hundred percent. That's what I said. Like that. You know, not everybody likes Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody likes it. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's some people who don't like it. Mm-hmm. There's not everybody likes Picasso. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes Michael Jackson. You know, no, you know, whatever it is, some right. people who are uber successful. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You cannot have a business if you are trying, though, to please everybody. Right. Those people pleasers who are trying mm-hmm. to go for they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want people not to like it. You're going for this mediocre thing. No, mm-hmm. that doesn't work in politics. Right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work in art. And that doesn't work in business. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We we talk a lot on the program about you absolutely have to find your niche. You know, when, when you tell somebody, you know, if, if I were to say, hey, Miriam, who's going to buy your art? You would say everybody. No. You know, it, it's it's not for everybody. What I do is not for everybody. You know, and the the examples I use, you know, not everybody likes Starbucks, not everybody likes Walmart, not everybody likes Chanel. I mean, you know, all of those things. Right. So once you have figured out that niche, and and of course, especially when you're starting out, you're like, but I'm I'm missing money by not doing that. You know, I it was uh, no, preparing- just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. And the other big thing, Deb, that I see is especially with beginning artists Mm -hmm. is what you say about the niche. It's not just the niche about who your ideal Mm -hmm. customer is going to be and Mm -hmm. whether you're high end or low end, Mm -hmm. but people who are creative, they don't want to choose like Mm -hmm. what they're doing. It's like, no, you, you can't sell ceramics Mm -hmm. and paintings in the same Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, it's the the analogy that I love is uh, we can talk about Jewelry. So jewelry mm-hmm. is sold at Target and Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Right. But Target also sells tennis rackets mm-hmm. and milk mm-hmm. and um, snow shovels. Right. So, you know, when you try to sell too many different kinds of things, you risk turning your business into a Target rather than right. a Tiffany's. Right. And if you want to be really successful and high end, mm-hmm. you want to be seen more as a Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some people who can make a business out of low end goods, mm-hmm. but right. more times than not, that is not a great recipe. Mm-hmm. And we can see that because no matter how low end you are, there's mm-hmm. always somebody else who can compete with you more. Look at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Walmart has been unseated by mm-hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. We never thought that would happen. Right. That Walmart right. would mm-hmm. lose its crown. Mm-hmm. Right. You and, and you talk about prestige pricing, and that is that Tiffany's pricing. So talk to us a little bit more because I'm I'm guessing that's where a lot of people are going. You want me to add two zeros to my price? <laughs> okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. So what I talk about is the difference between charm pricing mm-hmm. and prestige pricing. Mm-hmm. So charm pricing is what you might see not just in Walmart. So Walmart you would see a pair of um Hanes underwear 10 pack for 14.97. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But you also see people selling things for four hundred and ninety seven dollars. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not so much like that. It's a low price, but trying mm-hmm. to do that ninety seven or ninety nine. Mm-hmm. That is charm pricing. Mm-hmm. And it works in some industries mm-hmm. where you want to have the perception of something being mm-hmm. in the four hundreds rather mm-hmm. than the five hundreds. Right. You're also doing something else. Mm-hmm. 
you are calling out those nickel and dime minded customers. Now, mm-hmm. Walmart wants to do that because right. that, is, that their is their market. person. They want mm-hmm. them to, to mm-hmm. know that they are watching every penny. Mm-hmm. But if you're selling something, let's say like your example, Deb, like a, a website mm-hmm. building, you don't want those nickel dime right. minded customers no. because they are, they're going to be miserable for you. And then nickel and dime me to death as I'm developing it. Right. And so if you're pricing your goods that way, mm-hmm. then don't complain mm-hmm. when, pe- when people act that way. Now let's talk about what prestige pricing is. It's not just about the higher price. Mm-hmm. So prestige pricing is when instead of pricing something for $497, mm-hmm. you round it $500. Okay. okay. So what research has shown, so something like a bottle of champagne mm-hmm. that it sold better when it was priced at $40 rather than or $41. And the reason why is because those odd numbers, those charm pricing numbers are processed by the logical side of -hmm. your brain. Whereas the rounded numbers Mm -hmm. are processed by the emotional Ah, side of your brain. We're thinking we're buying prestige. Well, it's not so much. It, I mean, it works better for luxury. higher quality, or yeah, it mm-hmm. works better for the luxury market because something like a Chanel bag, a piece of art, mm-hmm. um, a car—you don't want people thinking logically. Like, right. I can get to the grocery store mm-hmm. with a Ford. Mm-hmm. Why do I need a Porsche? You want mm-hmm. people making a decision with the emotions, emotional side of their brain, mm-hmm. and buying with their emotions because it is an emotional purchase. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. You know, and, and I mean, we just think about that, you know, it's like, okay, we've got the same product. Is it $39.99 or is it 40? And there really is a little, there's a pause, right? When you're thinking about it, because you're thinking, well, okay. And, and the $39.99 actually seems like you're getting a discount. And yeah, it's a discount. It's a penny. Uh, you know, it's a whoopee, but, but then it's like, okay, did we decrease the value? Did we, you know, of the item? I mean, not the not the pricing of it, but the the quality of it, you know. And and so, yeah, kind of having those. I like this. I like having the zeros in there. Well, you're also t- um, putting more emphasis on the transaction, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you go into a high end restaurant, mm-hmm. maybe the Swan House where mm-hmm. you are in Buckhead, mm-hmm. or um, some place in you know Boulay in, mm-hmm. in New York, or anywhere around. And I know you have people mm-hmm. all over the world. Go mm-hmm. into a high end restaurant. You not only will there not be any numbers after that decimal point, Mm -hmm. but often there won't even be a currency symbol on the menu. Mm -hmm. And that is because they they are there is research from Cornell Mm -hmm. University. They they have that hotel management um, Mm -hmm. research center. And the research shows that when you leave off the currency symbol, that it makes the experience less transactional and people focus more on the experience and less on the money. And they will Mm -hmm. spend more as a result because they're not adding up the numbers. When they see the number, they're not thinking of it in terms of dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, and that is a really big lesson. It's Mm -hmm. not just about whether you put a a currency symbol Mm -hmm. on your price, Mm -hmm. whether you round your price or not, but the bigger lesson here for, for people who are selling and we're all selling if we're in business Mm -hmm. is to focus on the experience Mm -hmm. rather than the transaction. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and then of course there is the, the old adage of not putting a price 
And, you know, the, especially in like a restaurant and, and I remember, you know, getting a menu one time and it had no price and somebody actually said, you know, you, you might not be able to afford it <laughs> you know, just and because there was no price, you know, and, and, um, and, but, but yeah, sometimes that, and of course the nice thing is if you don't put a price, then it does allow you to, to negotiate a bit, but it does obviously make it seem much higher end. Um, you know, when we see those items, you know, it's, if it doesn't have a price, you really are thinking, wow, wow. You know, and, and um, so it's just kind of a, one of those, those things to be thinking about. And I also, um, if you think about, oh, I've never been to a restaurant without prices on the menu. Uh, okay. For most people, that's not true because here's the thing when they come to you mm-hmm. and they give you the specials, right. They're not telling you in most places mm-hmm. how much the specials cost. Right. And, the specials and you're are not usually doing a high that. end. Uh-huh. You're not mm-hmm. doing that calculus. You're thinking it's the special. Right. Oh, must have that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Very few people will ask the waiter, how much mm-hmm. is that? Because right. you're not mm-hmm. thinking about it at that point. You're just mm-hmm. thinking about, do I want that more than what's right. on the menu? Right. And it's special. So cool. I love it. I love it. Well, now you also talk about, and, and this is something that so many businesses get wrong or don't even do at all. And those are lead magnets. So talk to us a little bit about lead magnets, what they are and you know why we should use them. Okay. So let's even talk about more about why it's so important okay. to get the people's contact information. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> your Facebook page, folks, your fans there, not no, your no. business <laughs> card either. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, pe- I was even at my book opening last mm-hmm. night and I, int- so at my book launch opening, I had invited collectors. I had invited clients, friends, family, people who had been on my podcast mm-hmm. and we had it at a gallery. Mm-hmm. So I introduced of one of my mm-hmm. best collectors to the gallery owner. Mm-hmm. And then when the party was over, we we're having the conversation. I says, you know, they're really serious collectors. I hope you got their numbers. He says, well, I gave them my card. I'm like, okay, good luck with that. Yeah. I gave so, them my card. That here's was the, the key. thing. So mm-hmm. we were talking about um, the analogy of being desperate and blah, blah, blah. If you were, if you were somebody who wanted to date, mm-hmm. Uh, and you walked in, you were like a, a, mm-hmm. the pickup artist. He doesn't walk mm-hmm. into a bar and start handing his numbers right. out mm-hmm. to other women. Mm-hmm. He gets, if he's interested mm-hmm. in a woman, he will get her number so right. he can call her. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing in business. Mm-hmm. You want their information. But mm-hmm. so many times I go to like this situation here, mm-hmm. or I go to a flea market mm-hmm. and nobody's asking for my email address. Right. They're saying, oh, there's my Instagram account. You mm-hmm. can follow me. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know I'm even going to see it? Right. And how do you know they even it? have Instagram? I was just at a conference where that happened multiple times. And until last weekend, I didn't have Instagram. <laughs> and guess what? You probably would waste your time if you built it now. Here's the mm-hmm. thing. So the research in my book, when I first started writing Artpreneur, mm-hmm. the average Instagram account got a 1% engagement. Mm-hmm. So if you have a thousand people mm-hmm. following you, that's 10 people engaging with right. your posts. Mm-hmm. By the time I went to edit it, mm-hmm. that had dropped right. mm-hmm. 0.6%. Mm-hmm. So six right. people out of mm-hmm. a thousand. Mm-hmm. And then, well, you might ask, hey, what about those influencers mm-hmm. telling you how to get more engagement? Mm-hmm. And you know, they're all teaching those classes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the average influencers, her engagement rate or her engagement rate is one point one eight percent. 
out of a so thousand mm-hmm. people, twelve. Mm-hmm. What about an email? Well, not everyone opens your emails, but mm-hmm. the average email open rate mm-hmm. is twenty five percent. So right. out of a thousand people, mm-hmm. that's two hundred and fifty mm-hmm. people. But here's the biggest difference that I want your listeners to understand is that in your inbox, your customer decides whether or not they're going to open that email. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, the algorithm decides if they're even going to see it. Right. And and all social media, you may That's or right. may not see That's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I would argue further that one of the reasons the engagement rate has dropped is not just because of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. It's because people aren't using the platform as right. much as they used mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to do for my book launch strategy was to go on Instagram live. And Mm -hmm. I ended up canceling my future ones because Mm -hmm. right before you go live on Instagram, it will tell you how many of your followers are actually on the platform. Mm -hmm. So I have 25,000 followers Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Deb, you want to guess how many people are on the platform from my followers out of Uh, 25,000? You would wish... Oh, not even that many. No, Yikes. the most I ever had was sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these people like are just not mm-hmm. even on the platform right. anymore. So it's mm-hmm. not even you can't even blame the algorithm mm-hmm. if they're not there. Right. Yeah. You know, and and you know, I I come across people all the time who that is the because I do marketing. They'll they'll tell me that's the only place they market is social media. Now, some of them will actually pay for ads. But same thing. I mean, you know, it's if they're not engaging. I just did an ad where uh, twenty-seven thousand people saw it. There were nine hundred engagements. I mean, so that was actually really pretty good. Eight hundred click-throughs. So I'm thinking, ooh, this is pretty good. Guess how many bought the product? Out of how many people? Eight hundred click-throughs. Eight hundred click-throughs. Um, four? None. 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 Now, clearly, I need to rethink what I was doing. <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, you know, it was, and, and I didn't, I didn't spend that much money. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I just lost a, a whole bunch, but yeah, you know, it's social is great, but it's not the be all end all folks. It comes back to those personal relationships that you have with people. Yes. And, and that's, that's where, where it is. It, personal relationships are everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, I, I want to bring it back around because we've only got uh, about five minutes left to your, 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 you know, when we were first talking about the picture with your son as Batman, because that was the best word of mouth, basically type of advertising you could do. And then, you know, doing your, your, you know, ha- when you had a commission piece, handing those out where there were other people who were going to go, Ooh, Oh, tell me more. Um, you know, word of mouth is is clearly, especially for an artist, because somebody can tell me, hey, Miriam does great work. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure she does. But to see your work, even if I'm just seeing it online, but if I were to see it in real life, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I must have that. You know, and, and I think that's of course been one of the, the the issues with COVID is we haven't been doing those, those, you know, in-person things. But yeah, you got to get out there and meet the meet the people. You know, and 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 show them what you're doing. And I don't care if you're building websites or you know selling widgets or any of those things. You, it's it is those personal relationships that is are going to be the difference. 
Yeah, the personal relationships are most important. And mm -hmm. even those artists who are mm -hmm. listening, who hope to get gallery representation, mm -hmm. or if you're a writer and you want an agent, mm -hmm. those are relationships too. Right. So mm -hmm. you need to have a relationship mm -hmm. with the gallery director. You need right. to build a relationship with mm -hmm. the agent. And guess what? The best way to get those introductions to those key people mm -hmm. are through the relationships that you have with your peers. Right. And mm -hmm. Deb, I'm sure you would agree with me that like most of the success that I've had in my life has all came down to mm -hmm. the quality of my relationships mm -hmm. and how much I've been willing to invest mm -hmm. in those relationships. Right. right. You know, and, and, it's and it is it's a win-win, you know. It's, so it's not just hey, what can you do for me? It's what can I do for you? Yes. Um, you know, and and like you know, it's so you you might say with a gallery, you know, you know that the artist who was featured in December, they're going to get you in for March, but then you're going to talk to another gallery owner about featuring them in May, things like that. I mean, it is all about how can you help others? You know, it, it's it's. That's that's where we're going to get the most out of all this. It's those relationships, you know, relationship, relationship, relationship. You know, it's it's uh, kind of like real estate, uh, but but yeah, it's it's all about that. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Miriam, this has been so much fun, and I can't believe that we are almost out of time. You were so incredibly busy because, as you said, your book launched yesterday as we are recording this, and so that is so cool. But tell people more a little bit about the book. And then more importantly, talk to us about um, the uh, what you do, so the, the inspiration place and the services that you provide there. Okay. Well, if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please come find me on the Inspiration Place podcast. I'm on all the podcast places wherever you're listening to the Power Hour. I'm mm -hmm. sure you can also find the Inspiration Place. And you can get chapter one of Artpreneur absolutely free. So mm -hmm. chapter one is choose to believe. If you go to shulmanart.com forward slash believe and shulman, the first three letters are spelled like school, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N-A-R-T. I'm sure Deb will put that link in mm -hmm. the show notes for you. So you can get chapter one absolutely free and then decide if you want more. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, before we end, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. So I'm going to end today the same way I end Artpreneur. And in chapter 12, I say, keep marching forward. Keep taking those inspired actions. Even if you're not getting those results you initially want, you need to continue to take, put one foot in front of the other, not marching in place. Don't blame your boots and keep taking inspired action. Such a great way to end this. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having the best discussion with Miriam Schulman. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.